We're glad you guys are here with us this morning. Uh, you guys can be seated. You can be seated. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and uh, it is quite a different Sunday uh, for us here at Hilton Head Island Community Church as this past week our renovation of Island Kids began, which is awesome and exciting. Um, we, you know, you just never know. Uh, but it began right on time. And so we're excited about that. And I want to thank each and every one of you who gave to be able to raise the money to be able to renovate, make a much better place for our kids to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for those of you who gave uh, to that. Thank you so much. And be praying with us uh, for that as we, uh, over the course of the next six weeks, do the renovation. And you saw this morning on the screens that by March 1st, we expect uh, to be complete. And so I'm going to ask for you to be continuing to pray that all goes well with our renovation. I cannot wait for you guys to see it. And uh, so uh, it's going to be great. So we're very excited about that. Our middle school, uh, they're up at a retreat this week. And so Todd Cooper, Coop, we call him, because um, I'm Todd, right? Okay, so anyway, just remember that and remind him of that when you see him. I'm just kidding. Uh, Coop uh, took uh, about a dozen or so kids uh, up uh, on a retreat, and so they're uh, going to be coming back tonight, and uh, uh, we're just excited about what is happening in our student ministry uh, and our kids' ministry. I will tell you, we got a lot of change, don't we? That's one thing that is uh, really kind of like a consistent thing. Uh, going on here at our church, uh, especially recently, is this whole idea of change. Um, Abby Rusher, where's Abby? We announced last week that Abby, who's been with us for a year and a half, there she is back there in the back checking in everybody. She is our Island Kids Director, has been uh, for a year and a half, and uh, really uh, we shared last week, it feels like God is calling her to move a little closer to home, which is really nowhere near here. So uh, she's from Bloomington, Illinois, and so uh, over the course of the next few months, uh, she's going to be preparing to move back home. And um, Abby, I just want to just kind of reiterate and thank you again for all that you have done in our Island Kids ministry. Why don't you give it up for Abby? She did an amazing job really building a great foundation uh, for us to build on. And it was her idea to have Ignite, which is our preteen ministry. And so we're, we're thrilled about that. So a lot of change, um, obviously, with the demolition and the construction project. A lot of change. It's a lot of change. And some of us handle change better than others, don't we? Some of us love change, and some of us cannot stand change. Like, we want everything to remain consistent, don't we? How many of you are like that? Like, you're like, I do not like anything to change at all. It's okay. You're going to be, okay, it's all right. Raise your hands. You can raise your hands. There's a few of you in here. How many of you like something new every day? All right. How many of you like something new every minute? <laughs> okay, there you go. We'll see you afterwards. Uh, so anyway... <laughs> Change is one thing that in life just continues to remain the same. And uh, I think it's uh, really amazing that here in the midst of a lot of change going on in the life of our church, uh, that we are in a series called Change Agents. And uh, it's really, no, it's a kind of a coincidence, but not a coincidence that we're going through this series. Because uh, as we headed it into kind of this time in the life of our church, I really wanted to do something that um, would challenge each one of us to be able to, in the midst of change that inevitably uh, finds its way to our doorstep uh, often, uh, I wanted for us as, as Christ followers and for uh, us as, as people who follow God and follow Jesus, uh, to be able to be people who are agents of that change and that who cause 
positive change for the kingdom of God. And so over the course of these next six weeks, we're going to be taking a look at six different characters, some from the Old Testament, some from the New Testament, um, who were a part of changing either a person or a group of people and moving them forward to a point where they had a, a, a further trust in, in the God of the Bible or a, a deepening faith in the God of the Bible, or maybe who helped someone uh, in their just normal course of life. And so we're going to be looking at six different change agents. And my prayer and my hope is is that those of you uh, who are not yet influencers uh, would become influencers. And those of you who already are influencers, that this would spur you on and challenge you. And kind of as Timothy uh, says, stir up in you this whole idea of really being a change change agent for God. And so I'm excited about this. It's going to be a great uh, few weeks. And um, I got to tell you, Um, I was thinking about this this week. In the life of of a church, there aren't too many times when we get to come together all as family. And yeah, I know we have two services um, and we have to have two services, but you know, us all as family, man, it's really great to have you guys who are in here who are part of our Island Kid and Ignite ministry. So thank you for being a part of it. And also, I wanted to let you know that each and every week, we are going to have an activity sheet. Cynthia already mentioned that. So you can go back there, um, and you I'm fine with you getting up during the service if you are part of Island Kids and going back there and getting one of these activity sheets. Um, This week, we have a maze and uh, a word search, and then um, a little coloring page here. Each week, they're going to relate to my message. And so um, if you're in first through third grade, or if you're a parent that has ADD, go back there and grab some crayons and have some fun. I understand. Why don't we pray before we dive in this morning? God, we thank you uh, for today. And God, I thank you for the opportunity to meet together as a church and have our kids in here. And God, I pray that you would be with us over the course of these next six weeks. God, I pray for our renovation and the construction. I pray that you would be honored by everything that takes place in there, that change. God, I pray that you would um, allow us to create an environment, um, God, where people are are drawn to you and where you're high and lifted up. And not that it's just neat for neat's sake or cool for cool's sake, but God, I pray that it be a place where you are high and lifted up and that many, many, many kids and students and children would come to a place of faith in you. And God, I pray for us today and over the course of these next few weeks, I pray that you would lead us and guide us as we study your word and we investigate six different agents of change, some we know of, some we don't know of, and we don't know much about. And I pray that you would impress upon us this whole idea that we can be change agents for you. Guide us and direct us even today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus calls those of us who are followers of him to be salt and light. Um, How many of you like salt? I'm raising my hand. I'm raising both my hands. I love salt. Salt has an unusual uh, character or quality that it enhances what's good and suppresses what's bad. And so when you put salt on something, you're actually tasting the better flavors uh, of whatever it is, and you're actually, the the bitter flavors are kind of suppressed. That's what salt does. But it also has the ability to heal and to cleanse, right? Um, And so salt has that characteristic of healing and cleansing. Light, what does light do? It shows us the way, right? It gives direction and guidance and even leadership. And Jesus commands us, he challenges us to be salt and light in the world. 
And and last week, we kind of landed on this whole idea that it doesn't matter how big you are. It doesn't matter how small you are. It doesn't matter how tall you are or (laughs) short you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You have influence over someone. Each person in life has some kind of influence over someone. And so I challenged each and every one of us to be praying about where our area of influence is. Where can we have an impact in the life of someone, you know, in our lives? For some of you, that's at school. For some of you, that's, you know, in your home. Uh, For some of you who are businessmen and women, it's at work. It's in your business place. For some of you who are teachers and educators, it's there in school. And so each of us have an environment where we have an impact on someone else. And it's what we do with that impact that either causes us or pushes us to become agents of change for God, or we just sit by and we watch what's happening and we're just simple bystanders. We we want to participate in what God is doing. And so that is kind of where we're going. That kind of sets the stage for where we are. And today we begin in John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 6. Otherwise, the verses will be on the screens. And you can also go to our app, and you can download our app, and you can uh, see the notes there today. But we're going to be in John chapter 6 as we take a look at an obscure character, someone who's kind of in the shadows, in the background of a story that most people know fairly well. We're going to take a look at how this person was an agent of change for God. Let's begin reading in John chapter 6, and we'll read the first 10 verses, and then we'll pause, and then we'll read the next part. John chapter 6. By the way, this particular story is repeated in all four books of the gospel. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all write about this story that we're about ready to read. So we know that there was consistency along the way. Okay, so we can can know that this story is true. It's not just a made-up tale. It is actual truth that happened that Jesus did. Okay, take a look at this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Roman or the Greek name. Uh, Verse 2, And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus, um, in in the chapters preceding this, Jesus had performed some miracles. He, He had healed some people. He was beginning to do miracles that were really shocking to people. And I don't know about you, if I saw someone... Um, who had a deathly uh, illness be healed, whoever was doing the healing, I don't know about you, would you follow that person? I would. And and something about me would follow them because I would would be skeptical. I'd be like, I've heard this is happening. I want to see it with my own eyes. And so there were people that were following Jesus because they were skeptical. There were people who who were following Jesus because they were his disciples. And there were people who were following Jesus because they were at a point that they wanted to believe in him. And so they wanted to see with their own eyes what this man was doing. He was doing amazing miracles. So Jesus, verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. He often taught on a mountain for a variety of different reasons. We see that throughout Scripture. Verse 4, now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. I'll I'll just give you a little heads up. In March, we're going to be doing a whole series based on one 
meal. You're going to come to church and hear about food for four weeks in a row, okay? So we're going to leave here very hungry. It's going to be awesome. So anyway, that's coming up in March. Now, the Passover was the feast of the Jews, and it was at hand. It was the time of year that the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, were celebrating the Passover feast. We'll talk about that in a moment. Verse 5, lifting up his eyes then and seeing the large crowd that had gathered and it was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, one of his closer disciples, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Take a look at verse 6. He said this to test Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. Verse 7, Philip answered, 200 denarii, that's like saying $200. Actually, it's not, doesn't equate that way, but let's just use that for uh, the sake of of understanding this. 200 denarii, $200 worth of bread would not be enough for each of them even to get a little. So Philip is saying in this instance, $200 wouldn't even come close to feeding the crowd that is gathered. One of his disciples, verse 8, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. He had how many pieces of bread? Five. I heard all the kids answer. Come on, adults. How many pieces of bread did he have? Five. All right, now you're with me. And how many fish did he have? To fish. I tried to get somebody to commandeer a fish this morning, and it didn't work. So anyway, uh, so he had five loaves and two pieces of bread. And he said, this boy is here. He says he has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they? Just five loaves of bread and two fish. What are they for so many? Verse 10, Jesus says, have the people sit down. Now there, there's much grass in this place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Okay, let me set the stage and talk about what Jesus is about ready to do, and then we'll read what he does. what, What is going on here is that the people have begun to follow Jesus in mass to the point where how many men were there? 5,000, okay. Now, in this day and age, when writers were recording numbers, um, I'm sorry, ladies, they didn't include women and children, okay? It was just kind of part of the day of the age. Don't get mad at me. Don't send your email to me, ladies. I'm sorry. It's just the way it was. So John records here that there are 5,000 men that have gathered to listen to Jesus speak and to watch him, you know, maybe do a miracle here. Okay, and if that's the case and every man had a wife, And every man brought that wife with him. How many people are we talking about? 10,000. All right, you guys are good at math. Way to go. So we're talking about 10,000 people here that have gathered at this mountainside right on the shores, the north part of the Sea of Galilee, located in kind of the northern part of the nation of Israel, what we know of modern-day Israel. And there are 10,000 people, except that probably a lot of these people brought friends with them, and probably there were a lot of kids there, right? We know that because who provided the food? A child, a boy, right? First through fifth graders, doesn't matter how old you are. You can be a change agent, just like this little boy was, as we'll see in a moment. So there were at least 10,000 people that have gathered there on the Sea of Galilee, watching and waiting for Jesus to do something amazing. And they look around, and there is no food to be had. And Jesus is about ready to teach, and he's about ready to preach. And I want to put this in context for you today. What if today, right now it's uh, about 1130, what if today I were to tell you I'm preaching for four hours straight, and you all have to stay here and listen to me for four hours straight? What would happen to you? It's lunchtime. 
you would get what? Hungry, and you would stop listening to me, okay, if you haven't already. But anyway, Jesus is gathering, and he's about ready to teach, and it's time to eat, except this was no ordinary time of year. It told us that this was Passover time for the Jewish people. So not only was it going to be time to eat coming up pretty soon, not only was, was there you know, 10,000 or more people that had gathered, but it was a time of year when these people focused all their energy on food. And they focused all their energy on what, what the symbols of that meal and feast was. Now, we, in our culture, we have a time of year here in the United States of America where we gather to eat together in mass, and you know, some of you you know, like have four people in your family and some of you have like 400 people that gather during this time of year. What time of year is it that we gather to eat together traditionally in America? Thanksgiving. Okay. All right. You guys are with me today. So Thanksgiving. So this would be like, it's Thanksgiving day. Pretend like it's Thanksgiving day today and you're gathered at church and I'm preaching for four hours and I promise you that's not going to happen. Okay. I promise you I will have things thrown at me if that happens. So I'm not going to do that. Okay. It's Thanksgiving Day, you're at church, and I'm preaching for a long time, and there is no food to be found. And we start asking around, like, somebody go find some food, and the only thing that's left are goldfish. Back in Island Kids, because kids love what? Goldfish. Okay, my son is the top one. He's raising his hand back there with his buddy Tegan. Yes, Sean and Tegan love goldfish. And all we can find is goldfish. How would that ease your hunger? Probably not. Probably not. And so Jesus looks at Philip and he says, Philip, how are we going to pay for all these people to be fed? Now, Jesus' question was leading, wasn't it? He asks Philip, how are we going to pay for them to be led? Because he was testing his faith. He wanted Philip so desperately, I'm sure Jesus wanted Philip to answer. You'll take care of it. But Philip didn't do that, did he? Now, it's interesting, Philip lived nine miles from this place they were, and so Jesus asking Philip would have been the, the kind of the most natural thing to do. Like, you're going to ask the guy that lives in the area where the best restaurant is, right? You're not going to ask a tourist where the best restaurant is, right? You're going to ask someone who lives in the area where the best restaurant is, where can we get food here? And so Jesus looks at Philip, and he asks Philip, how are we going to pay for all these people to eat? And Philip swings and misses, doesn't he? He totally messed this up because he goes to start calculating the cost. And Jesus led him there. But Jesus wanted to test his faith. And then Andrew kind of jumps in, or Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, jumps in, and he finds this boy who has five pieces of bread and two fish. And that's all they have. And then let's look at what Jesus does. Okay, verse 11. Then Jesus took the loaves. How many loaves? Five. And when he had given thanks, he distributed all of the loaves to them, uh, to those who were seated. How many were seated? Uh, how many? 10,000. All right, now you're with me. All right, 10,000. So also the fish, how many fish did he have? Two. All right, you guys are with me. A lot of math today. And as much as they wanted in verse 12. And when they had, and when they had eaten their fill. Is that awesome? You know what that means? That means they were full. That means they were full. They were no longer hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. They had their fill. It's like enough bread and fish, Jesus. We're done. We're good. Thank you so 
much. He says that when they had had their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. How many of you like leftovers? I love leftovers. I think most food is best the second day. But my family doesn't agree, so so I get a lot of food the second day usually. That's why I gain weight. Anyway, he says, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, that was the miracle, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. What was the miracle that Jesus performed that day? He took five pieces of bread and two fish, and he fed 10,000 people. That's remarkable. It's championship Sunday in the NFL. We all have a favorite team, right? I'm just watching it because I like football. But today, when you're watching those stadiums, each one of those stadiums holds about 68,000 people. Think of the fact that Jesus fed a little corner of that stadium. In fact, not really a little corner, a big corner of that stadium. It's incredible to think about how many people he fed. That was the miracle that Jesus performed. He fed 10,000 people, roughly 10,000 people, with five pieces of bread and two fish. And in verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. I love this. Let's take a look at our hero, who is Jesus first and foremost, but our hero for the agent of change is this little boy, the lunch boy, who's got this lunch. Let's take a look at three things that we can learn as to why he was a change change agent, first of all. He was a change agent, first and foremost, because when everyone else doubted, what did he do? He believed. When everyone else doubted, this little boy believed. I love it. Jesus looks at Philip, the most likely guy to know where food would be, and Philip doubts, doesn't he? $200 has not even come close, Jesus. We're not going to be able to do this. Come on. He doubted, and this little boy believed. He gave his lunch. He gave up his lunch to help Jesus perform a miracle. By the way, as you see miracles all throughout the Gospels, almost every time Jesus uses in some form or fashion something or someone who's around. He wants to use you and me also to cause change, just like he did with this lunch boy. I love it. The second thing that we can learn from this lunch boy about being an agent of change is that when everyone else was suspicious, he was confident. He confidently gave up his lunch. Now, we don't read much about that in any of the Gospels, but it's obvious that he was there. It was, I, I really don't think that Andrew, like, commandeered this kid and, like, you know, like, hey, I'm taking your lunch, kid. And he's not, he wasn't a bully. I believe that this boy willingly gave up his lunch for the need of the crowd. He was confident when everyone else was suspicious. And third, when everyone else, please don't miss this, when everyone else was unwilling, this little guy was ready to help. What would you have done? What would you have done in that scenario? Like you're looking out at the crowd and you know there's a lot of people and you've got a bag of lunch. You got an apple and a Dasani water and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. What are you going to do? You're going to give that up? I don't think I would. I think I'd hide that sucker. (laughs) Put it behind, you know, like the bushes over here. You know, I'm going to find a tree to hide that because I'm going to have that. That's mine, right? 
What do we say so often in our lives, the word we learn from such a young age? It's mine. That's what would have happened. That's what would have happened if this boy had not chosen to be an agent of change in that circumstance. In fact, take a look at the alternate mission this morning as we're going to take a look at that throughout this series. If the lunch boy had not had the faith that Jesus could provide or was not willing to give, his, give everything he had, it's not just that Jesus wouldn't have performed a miracle, it's that people wouldn't have been pushed in their faith. Are you with me on that? Like, it's not just about the miracle. In fact, the miracle occurs for the purpose of pushing someone to a deeper level of faith. Look at verse 14. The people that were gathered there and they saw that sign that Jesus had done, they said, this guy, he's the prophet. And that word prophet didn't mean prophet the way we think of it today. That was them saying, this is the one who has come to save us. You see, that little guy that had that lunch gave it up, and because he gave it up, other people believed. If he hadn't have done that, it's not that Jesus wouldn't have performed a miracle. That wouldn't have mattered too much because he performed so many others. Even if he performed one, it would have made them all God. It's that in this instance, this little guy was used by God as an agent of change because of his faith. In fact, that's kind of the mission protocol what is it about his faith that, that really made an impact or a difference here? Well, it's that being a change agent means having faith that God will show up when a situation seems hopeless. That's it. That's it. And I know that a lot of you, you adults at least in here, have been in situations that are hopeless. I, I'm 40-something, and I have been in a lot of situations in my life that seemed hopeless to me because we as humans get wrapped up in all of the stuff that goes on with our circumstances, don't we? Those of you who are students and children in here, you first through fifth graders, man, learn this lesson now. Learn this lesson at a young age that being someone who's an agent of change means having the faith that God will provide. I get the impression that in this situation, he, he just gave him the bread and he just gave him the fish. It really was kind of easy because he had faith. He had faith. And I want to leave you with a question today. It's your assignment. How can you demonstrate uncommon faith in God in a desperate situation? I'll bet if you think hard enough right now in your life or in the life of someone who you know, I'll bet that there is a desperate situation that you can be an agent of change in. I'll bet that there's something in your life that you can observe or find out in which you can make change and, and have an impact for the kingdom of God. That's what this little guy did, this little obscure character in this amazing story about a miracle that Jesus performed. How can you demonstrate? You know, it's interesting because when he demonstrated his faith by giving up his lunch and then Jesus performed the miracle, the glory didn't go to himself, did it? And Jesus is really the hero here. It's just this guy's in the background, allowing God to use that deep faith that he has in God to make a significant change. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how old you are, you can be a change agent, just like this little boy. 
God, I thank you so much for your word and for this miracle, this amazing thing that you, Jesus, did to let people know that you were God. And Father, in the midst of this amazing story, there's this little guy in the background that gives up what he had so that you could get the glory. And God, I pray for those who came in here today. Wow. And their faith has been rocked recently. Uh, They have received a phone call or they've gotten an email or a letter in the mail and it has been news that has rocked their world. God, I pray in this moment that you would increase their faith in you. Help us, Father God, even in those hopeless situations, to trust you at a much deeper level. If you're here today and maybe you are facing a hopeless situation, that situation that you're talking about is your life, and you're like, Todd, I can't even get to the point to be an agent of change because I'm struggling in my faith. I want to pray for you right now. God, I pray that you would stretch their faith. God, I pray that you, in your strong name, would take that hopeless situation and that you would allow them to have a deeper level of faith that you are going to provide. And regardless of the pain or the suffering or what has to go through, that somehow, some way, you're going to provide. And God, I pray for those who are gathered here today who... Um, Uh, They've got that faith. God, I pray that you would allow them to put that on display, not for their glory, but for yours. God, I pray that you would allow them in that moment of opportunity to give up what they have so that you can receive the glory, so that other people's faith can be stretched. It's not just about having faith, but it's about demonstrating that faith. Maybe you're here today, and you're like, Todd, I love the story but I've never put my faith in Jesus. I've never chosen to believe myself. If you're here today and maybe you've been a skeptic or maybe you've doubted or maybe you've come close to to like grasping onto that faith and you've never done it, I wanna invite you to do that right now. God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. He rose again three days after he died on that cross so that you can have life with God when you die one day. If you're here today and you never put your faith in Jesus, I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer quietly in your heart to God along with me. It goes like this. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Today, I admit that I mess up. And God, today, I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. If you prayed that very simple prayer, every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not, I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer along with me, anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Pray that prayer. Just raise your hand. Thank you for those who raised your hand. If you did today, I want to encourage you. At the bottom of that, that worship folder that you received when you came in today, let me know your name and your phone number. Let me know about your decision. There's a little place there to mark that off. And I want to follow up with you. You can take that little form, give it to Kelly or Stacy back at the guest service desk. They'll give you a Bible. And I just want to follow up with you personally. God, thank you so much for this little lunch boy who showed great faith. And God, may we, your people, 
have a deep abiding faith that you will provide, that you are the strong one and your angels and all the power that you have, we have on our side as well. In Jesus' name.